All right, everybody, and welcome back to the Business of Fitness Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Kleep, and on today's episode, we have Matt De La Valle and Gabe Yanez. Now, both of these guys have been a part of NC Fit for a really long time. They are both amazing humans, both out there really trying to improve the business of fitness, improve their lives, and really instill this idea of effort over everything, which is what we're so much about here at NC Fit. We hadn't caught up in person in a little while, and so I just want to dive in. We talk about a variety of different things from jujitsu to social media to NC Fit to living on a farm to you name it, we talk about it. If you guys have been watching us through the NC Fit Collective or you want to get a little bit better idea of who Gabe and MDV and myself are, this is a great episode for that. Sit back, relax, and enjoy this one. As per usual, if you haven't rated or reviewed this podcast, would really appreciate it if you do. Keep getting after it. Keep crushing it in your business and in life. And let's go. All right. So Gabe, MDV, uh, we are here in Mountain View, California. It's been a while since we all got together. So I thought we'd just catch up um, and talk about what's new with life. You moved on a farm. That's right. You moved to um, Washington, not on a farm. Not on a farm. <laughs> and we were just talking about some food and some bunch of other stuff and this idea of effort over everything. So where should we start, man? I think it's a good idea just to catch up and, um, and just literally, we were just having a conversation, so we might as well just do it while we're recording. Yeah, I mean, I, I had some questions because I haven't seen you guys in a while. Love the fact that we're catching up in person. So we were taking some pictures before and you guys just can't stop talking about Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Oh, whole time. So you just and got mosquito into bites on the back of my neck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I so I actually you know what's funny is I put it on a goals board in like 2015 or 16 that I wanted to start doing Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. I bought a gi, bought a book, and then I took like one class back in Boston, and it was on my goals board again for 2018 and 2019 <laughs> to start Jiu-Jitsu again, and maybe for about the past year. I've been on and off with some privates, but for the past three or four months, I've been pretty much like all into When 18 or 19, didn't you do a few, like, remember we got, didn't we get you a gi from Cheryl and didn't you do a few sessions? Yeah, there? yeah. So the, from, yeah. from 2015, I've done like a handful of classes and in 2018, 2019, I did a little bit more, some privates here and there, but never f was able to like put it all together into consistent practice, which in jujitsu, at least in my experience was the downfall, because if you take a lot of time off between your first few classes, I just felt like I was constantly forgetting everything, forgetting everything. And then it would be too much. And I'd be like, oh, I'm just not motivated to go. I keep forgetting everything. But now they have 30 private sessions in with a couple of different trainers and, you know, working, doing the fundamentals classes, I'm, I'm catching on. And now it's, it's getting to be more fun, still drowning, but more fun. It's so funny. I, I've definitely, and I, commend you for actually committing to it now i i struggle with like being a beginner again and i know that we always talk about how mm. important it is but like for me it's like one of the most frustrating things and there's so many things that have been like oh i'm going to start this and then like i don't give it enough time to like actually be at least good enough to like want to keep doing mm. it and i just like step away so it's awesome that you found a place yeah I, I'm, I'm loving it I, I posted something on social media the other day where it was like I regret 15 years of doing thrusters and pull-ups just to do more thrusters and pull-ups. Like I really do. I look back on doing CrossFit functional training since 2006 and I gave up 
a lot of other things to just go into the gym and train and then not use that fitness elsewhere, right? It'd be like, oh, I got to train just to train more though. Like I could have been doing so much more stuff outside of the walls of the gym and putting that fitness to use. And I don't know if you guys feel that way, but like I definitely got to a point in my own fitness CrossFit career that I was exclusively working out just to work out more. Yeah. yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a tough one too, right? Because if you're trying to compete in the sport of CrossFit or functional, you know, the sport of fitness and CrossFit, that's what you got to do. But I was never at your, right. I was never at your level. So you like were another time, stratosphere. That's what I was doing, right? But then you start realizing, hey, you know, it, it's just this fine balance because you come into the gym, you train here at NC Fit, and the ability that it gives you to go do things outside the walls is incredible. It's just a lot of people don't explore enough of that, right? And so it's like, mountain biking, uh, surfing, you name it. The, the, these walls provide you such a great like baseline. And then, and then, you you know, you need to encourage yourself to go get outside, right? That's the hard part because it's uncomfortable to go try these new things. Yeah. I mean, I, I fell into that bucket, right? Like, you know, you're, you're training so hard to like what break a hundred in the open in the Northeast region or break 200 or whatever, you know, it's like, we weren't going to be at a level, but it was so fun at the time. But no, I agree. Like there's so many things I could have been using all that stuff for Mm. that looking back on it, I didn't. And for me, it was a little bit different because it actually took like a really bad injury to kind of like shake me out of that. Mm. And now I feel like I have such a better, you know, just relationship with exercise and fitness where now I'm just doing it to like feel really good so I can do all the other things, Um, which isn't a sport right now. It's really just, you know, just feeling good on the farm because I'll, I'll give you an example back Shoot. to jujitsu right like i was on the mat yesterday or day before and i left and this gentleman said to benji said hey i i looked at that guy you know he's purple belt big guy i could tell what i'm getting myself into but he never gassed and he kept the exact same pace the entire time yeah and and those are attributes that the gym has been able to provide me which is great but I would encourage anybody that's been in the gym training hard for years to go see what else your body's capable of doing outside of it. Because this is an example of where like all that hedge we built in the gym pays off big time, but you don't see it as much unless you actually go take the opportunity outside the gym. Yeah. Well, uh, that's exactly what I'm saying. You know, I I think that fitness gave me an incredible amount of fitness and ability to do things, but there were, there was a long time in which I was only using it to do more fitness in the gym, right? So just understanding that there can be better balance between, hey, if I'm going to come into the gym and train hard four days a week, that doesn't mean I um, need to be doing six days a week of training in the gym and really like crushing myself and that being my only activity. Maybe I can do four days and two days I can be doing something else or three days and three days be doing something else, right? As opposed to just six days straight of coming into the gym for that purpose exclusively just to train more with barbells, kettlebells, plates, and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And it makes the barbells, kettlebells, plates like exciting. Like, so for me every day, all day for many, many years, three times a day, I trained in the gym. Mm. I mean, and then, you know, or in the ocean or whatever. And then as I've kind of shifted out and I incorporate more jujitsu and mountain biking, it's fun to be in the gym. So like you get a beautiful, like blend, you get Maybe you're on the mat three days a week. You're out for a long bike ride one day a week, and then you're in the gym four or five days a week, et cetera, et cetera. And so it makes it like this constant idea of like new and fresh and exciting. 
That's that's the way I like to do it now. Mm. So now that you're more regularly, you know, doing jujitsu, mm. what is your what is your training like? What does a week of training look like generally? I try to do jujitsu three times a week. Okay. So I try to do at least two classes and then one private session. If I can do four times a week, that's like a huge win for me. Um, and I was doing exclusively just privates at first to, to build up like some knowledge. So it wasn't feeling like I was drowning in the fundamentals classes. But then at, at some point, my, my coach, uh, Phil, who's 10th planet, Port, 10th planet Portland was like, Hey, listen, you get into classes, start rolling with people who are your level. And, you know, you can start to figure out some of these things, then we can work on stuff together. So four days a week would be a huge win. Three days a week is like the, the sweet spot for me. And then I try to do three days a week where I do either uh, like Peloton in the morning and get it out of the way early. Um, and then three days a week where I'm doing like a strength and conditioning session. So there are some days where I'm doubling up on jujitsu plus strength or Peloton plus strength or Peloton plus jujitsu. Any like full plan rest days? Ah, getting away from that a little bit more. So, you know, I, I, I recently wrote an article that's going up on the uh, NC Fit blog talking about it's not extreme to work out every day. Um, for me, I always looked at rest days. And this kind of plays into the conversation on training six days a week doing functional fitness, where it's like you train so hard for six days or five days or whatever, those two days, you just want to be lazy and lay on the couch and gorge yourself and like not move. I'm more so looking at fitness now as like a seven day endeavor where if I'm not going to be doing a Peloton workout, a jujitsu workout or an NC fit workout, I'm going to go for a two hour hike or a, a one hour uh, walk with my uh, fiance and my dog or like move my body or do some yoga or something like that. So trying to, trying to work out seven days a week. I love that you brought that up because, you know, movement should be this daily thing. And I feel like we get so stuck in the thinking of like, you know, like three days on one day off that, you know, people feel like there needs to be a day that's a full, full rest day. Um, so, yeah, no, I, I completely agree. I mean, for me now, it's we're outside every single day. Like mm. there's just stuff on the property that needs to get done. And some days I don't do a workout at all, but might be the day that I'm most exhausted because I have to move some fence around. And that is like a workout in itself. But I love looking at it that way, right? It's like just movement. It's movement every day. Uh, Jay, what's your training look like these days? Well, it's the same. So I try and do jujitsu um, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday mornings early. And um, I, I love it. Um, I do gi and no gi. I've been doing it for a really long time. And, um, and then I incorporate NC Fit workouts. I either take class or do it on my own um, almost every day. And then um, Saturdays or Sundays, I'll also do a long uh, bike ride or um, – Probably just a bike ride. I rarely go out for long runs. I like to tell myself I will, but I rarely do them. Mm. But I, but to your point, like I, there is no, for me, you know, exercise and fitness and they, they make me feel better. Right. So I enjoy doing it, but just not, not every day at like this break your back intensity level. And that's the big difference. Right. I've been incorporating like these 20 minute bike rides just, you know, in the garage or whatever, or in the mornings. And those are nice too. Just a nice way to clear your head, listen to a podcast and uh, get on ready to rock. So a question that one thing you mentioned kind of, it, it got in my head. You mentioned that you started doing just private lessons. Mm. So you didn't go into class. It's a great way to start. And dude. I think that that's, that's interesting because, you know, in, in our space, in the functional fitness space, like that's something that always gets talked about, right? Yeah. Is how are you introducing a beginner to the type of training that we do? 
did you feel that you know taking those privates was absolutely the right move and then how do you see that that relates to what we should be doing at our gyms for beginners yeah really good question when when i first started doing jujitsu it was way deeper and more complicated of a practice than functional training i look at functional training as as being fairly simple like you can teach a a fair amount of the motor patterns to somebody in you know 10 or 15 minutes and they they could get after a workout that day with some pretty good confidence of hey i know what i, I know what i'm doing here today i'm gonna squat i'm gonna do this dumbbell deadlift over here and i'm gonna do some jumping pull-ups and like they really got after it right and um they've learned that stuff that day in jujitsu, it was completely different for me because it was like, I'm a fairly coordinated guy. I've been playing a lot of sports my whole life, been doing a lot of fitness, like I said, but it just was something, and I wrestled in high school too. So uh, this was something that a lot of the positions were foreign to me, you know, and I didn't really know how to use my body in a way that like transferred really seamlessly into those first few fundamental classes or you know, just kind of feeling like it was an endless amount of material where I didn't really know where to start. I was grasping at straws, like forgetting things, going into the next class, beating myself up, feeling frustrated. So for me in the one-on-one environment, I was really just able to focus and it made me more accountable to just showing up and being there with that one person, going over the same material for three or four private sessions in a row just to get it down, just to have a base of understanding of like what's going on at a fundamental level of like, pressure and the basic tenets of the practice and um, then going from there moving into classes you can at least like tread water where you don't feel like you're just yeah. drowning that- it's different Gabe it, you know like at NC Fit we I'm, I'm a fan of privates I'm also a fan of hey someone comes in I believe our coaches should be good enough to be able to get that person a phenomenal experience for that day we could scale it we could adjust it there's all kinds of ways we can make their experience great and we could watch movement and encourage them to move safely by focusing on a few points performance. Hey, I need your back to be like this. Okay. We're good. Like for the most part, jujitsu, the barrier to entry is pretty high and the amount of skills and the game of inches, it's very, it's, it's, it's much more in depth. And so one of the reasons why I think you're seeing a big influx from people who have been training CrossFit in particular for a long time into jujitsu. Now I'm seeing more and more of it. Maybe it's because I'm, I'm excited about it. So I get a lot of attention you know, I get a lot of direct messages about it. Maybe it's because like, again, maybe it's because I'm there or maybe it's because people have been doing CrossFit functional training. And in the beginning, keep in mind of what you fell in love with. what did you fall in love with? Probably fell in love with like the more complex stuff because we were talking about things like the butterfly pull up, the first muscle up, your first bar muscle up, your first rope climb. Those things were very intriguing for certain types of people in, in CrossFit back in the day. Well, once you establish those skills, you develop some level of proficiency where jujitsu really takes over, at least for me, is it gives me that exact same beginner mindset, but every single day there's a new move with a new game and it's, it's nice to kind of transcend. So you go, okay, you develop your new skills, new skills of CrossFit, then you develop them. Now you keep your strength conditioning at a certain level and you're, and you're golden, but then you get this itch where you want to continue to learn new skills and try something new. And that's where I think jujitsu has a really great carryover to our background with where we came from. Mm. And I think there's also the aspect, and correct me if I'm wrong, that in jujitsu, like, you know, if you don't know what you're doing, there's two people involved that can potentially get hurt. Like, does that happen? Like, you get someone that, like, 
you know, like, I feel like you need some personal lessons to, like, kind of understand the etiquette so you don't come in guns blazing and, like, end up being that guy. And, again, yeah. I'm not talking from any experience. I'm talking from, like, I guess, like, what I've heard and what I could imagine yeah. going down. Yeah, I mean, the, it's, it's, it's the white belt syndrome, and it's, it's definitely a thing. you got to be really <laughs> careful about it. So, for me, um, you know, I've been rolling pretty consistently for five, six years. Um, you know, I'd, I'd call myself a appropriate level purple belt, um, meaning, like, I'm not at the bottom. I'm not at the top of a purple, but I'm, I'm okay. Right. And when I roll with people and I see that they're wearing a white belt, it's fine. I love that. But more times than not, I know what I'm going to get compared to a blue, purple, black, or brown belt where they're going to be very, uh, they're going to be sporadic. And it's because they haven't developed their comfort yet. And that's where it gets a little scary. And so I would encourage anybody when they're starting just to kind of try and slow down, but it's very difficult to slow down because you feel so uncomfortable that you end up being very reactive. Yeah. The decision-making process is it's not there. You just don't know what to do next. So you get put in a position where you don't know what to do as a white belt, super early on white belt, and you're just kind of flailing or you're just kind of reaching for something that you, you know, and scrambling to get to whatever it is that you kind of sort of remember. The other thing that I noticed is that like, if you come into jujitsu and you have a superior fitness and conditioning strength background, you probably are going to have a little bit of a leg up in that regard. Like your gas tank and your strength might be higher comparatively to other people who are beginners and maybe even other people who are a little bit more advanced, but their technical skills are going to be through the roof compared to where you're at. You have to pump the brakes a little bit, especially if you're coming on in with some strength and some explosiveness. And it's hard, it's hard to do that. Very hard to do that because somebody will touch you and you'll be like, wow, they just grabbed me pretty hard. And you, you're, you might go to grab them back harder or faster. And that's where you can really see some, some bad stuff happen. So even in myself, like my first few sessions in and rolling with like people who weren't Phil, who's a black belt you know, you, somebody touches me who's a, a more advanced white belt or a blue belt. I'm like, I got a sh- strength or explosive reaction here. And that's not the way to, to go about it. Yeah. It really teaches you. I mean, and this, 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 I don't know, we're talking about a lot of random things, but it's good because no, I we do it. have a passion. I'm learning a lot. <laughs> I have a lot of passion for jiu-jitsu because it's taught me a lot of skills that ha- help on the mat and off the mat. The focus you need on the mat is the AMRAP mentality. You got to be fully focused on what you're doing. Otherwise you're going to get choked. That's super valuable to take that mindset and then transfer it into other things in your life. On the mat, you need to be humble. You need to tap often and you need to tap quickly. You need to be okay with saying, hey, I got beat and it's okay. Mm. And we're going to come back. We're going to improve next time because you learn very quickly that that's the right way to do it is, is it's, it's, it's okay to tap and, and it's okay to fail as long as you then learn from that experience, you move forward. And so, you know, for my kids, getting them into sports like jujitsu is very important for me because it teaches discipline it teaches this self-respect where you're trying to better each other. You're not trying to hurt each other. You're trying to improve each other. And um, I'd recommend it for, for, for really for anybody. And then if you come into it with a strength conditioning background, I mean, let's just put it this way. Strength is not a bad thing. You just need to learn how to control it. And um, yeah, anyways. I do think how we started this discussion about jujitsu and becoming a beginner again, I do think it's really important that coaches who are coaching functional uh functional training crossfit that they go out there and that they learn new skills and experience new things because all of this stuff around us the pull-ups the cleans the snatches that we it can all become very germane for us all very ordinary we all know it but like 
somebody who's coming on in, although the skills are a little bit, quote unquote, simpler than what you might learn in jujitsu in your first few classes or whatever, it still can feel like drowning for those people who don't have exposure to this kind of stuff. And you have to remember that you have to pull yourself back, that this is the first time somebody might be picking up a dumbbell from the ground or first time somebody's putting a plate over their head or X, Y, or Z. So just understanding their position has been really, really important. Yeah. And, and Gabe, one more thing that I've learned as a, as a coach, number one is I'm always trying to learn. And so then I get to see how coaches work with me. And so putting yourself in this beginner mindset is very important because of the reasons MDV some, but also because you could see the attributes of a good coach and a not as good coach. And I've had, we've had, we've all had great coaches. We've all had some coaches who maybe were great athletes, but maybe not the best coach. And it's important to recognize, like for me at least, that complexity doesn't always have to be there to have a great coach. And I think coming into our gyms, that's something I've learned the hard way. In the beginning, I would always want to introduce people to hard stuff, like snatches and rope climbs, because it allowed me to like, kind of be like, oh, look at this, we can get you there. Whereas in jiu-jitsu, the really great coaches simplify movement because it is so complex and put you on a path to getting there over time instead of just throwing you in the deep end. Mm. And that's a great lesson learned. Yeah. I mean, talk about learning new things like having animals like, <laughs> like, and, and this is kind of funny. It's out of left field, but I mean, learning how to do what, you know, me and my wife are trying to do with these little, you know, farm that we have going oh, on in Texas, <laughs> pigs, chickens, sheep, and what else? Pigs, chicken, sheep, and we now have two cows. So it's uh, dude, <laughs> like, and, like full size cows, yeah, city slicker yeah, style, yeah, man. Full, full size cows. <laughs> like, I wanted to have and you can milk them. I, yeah, <laughs> I wanted to have everything that like was in the like old McDonald's had a farm book. Like that's what I wanted. I literally wanted like a little bit of everything. Um, and it's been such a cool experience. We don't have to get into it too much, but one quick story about just like yes, completely, <laughs> completely like beginner mindset and just being like oh my God, I have no idea what I'm doing. So we got a lot of the animals that we brought from like other farmers and stuff. There's like really good forums. So we went to go pick up the pigs that we were going to have. And they had a whole litter of, of pigs and we were getting two of them. And on our way there, we listened to a podcast all about like raising animals and how they're herd animals. So like ideally you want, you know, two, three is actually better because they're very social and they do a little bit better when they're not alone. So we get there and we're like, all right, so maybe we should actually do three. So we asked the lady we're getting these pigs from and she's like, yeah, we, we, we have enough to spare. Like you guys can get three. And so we go to like load them in our truck and these pigs were not very big. They were like this big, but the amount of just how powerful they are. And when they were this big, it was yeah. so funny. Cause I looked at Ariel real quick and we were like, <laughs> I think we're good with two. Like yeah, we like you, immediately you, you, changed you our mind. One, right? Because imagine, I mean, how are you going to get three of them into the back of your truck? Like, I mean, I guess you, you, you put them in yeah, one by yeah. one. Yeah, but, <laughs> but like, but it like was, imagine it's like it's like having kids. You know, if you have two kids, at least one it's, it's even playing field, right? Two parents, two kids. But as soon as you have three kids, they could overrun you. You know, it, it was insane. It was, in, and we were immediately like, no, 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 we'll we'll just take the two. But um, no, it's been it's been fun to learn something new and learn something new that you're super passionate about. I know it's kind of different, but it's been a super super cool. Um, experience and I'm, I'm excited to learn more the one go ahead oh, i have a random question for jason at some point oh. that i want to ask i don't think i've ever asked you this and this is so off topic but when you retired from competing in crossfit you were at the top of your game like you retired probably at the peak of 
your fitness. I, I got to ask. I got to ask, man. I don't think I've ever asked because do you ever have any regrets where it's like, man, because you finished second? I finished second in um, 13 and third in 14. And then I went team. team. Yep. And team was a whole nother thing, yeah. but whatever. You, but the, I still finished really high in the open that year too. The, the year 15th. you went team, you yeah. were still doing good. Really legit. Do you ever look back and go like, man, could I have one individually in the modern era of like 15, 16, 17? Dude, I'm, I'm a big believer in you make the best decision you can with the information you're given at the time. And you just, you just at that point, you have to trust in that decision because you just made the best decision you could. Mm. So like at that point, the best decision for me and my family was in 15 to go team because the stress was just too high for my wife and I. We had two kids. Dude, I would compete year round. I mean, open, regionals, games, Team USA, additional events I would do year round. And the stress was super high. Like Ash and I would get in, I don't want to call it fights, but dude, it was definitely an area of contention because like, it, it was like two months before the, the games or let's just say it was like a month before and she'd want to go out and like have some drinks and whatever. Mm. I'd be like, Hey, I gotta, I gotta stay in. I got to train right now. I gotta go get it. Every night I was late to dinner cause I was sweating in the garage. Every morning I'd be in the garage banging it out and it started to create some tension. And in the beginning it wasn't a big deal in 2008. We had no kids, whatever. But then all of a sudden I'm traveling for the business. We have two kids and my son was born in 2014. And so we had two and just create too much. So anyways, that's a long-winded way of saying, uh, no, I have no regrets mm. at all. The first couple times I went to um, CrossFit events, it was difficult. Yeah, that's got to be tough, man. That, that was difficult. Um, but also for me, man, like going from individual to team wasn't like, it was a good change of pace and it still kept me in the sport. And so that one wasn't that hard. It was a little bit hard, but not that hard. It was, it was then going back to events after I had com- officially not compete in the open. Mm. But then at that point, it was also really easy because dude, when Ava was diagnosed with leukemia in January, like there was a, it was just a, like a, it wasn't even like a factor. Like mm. it wasn't even like a thing like, Oh, the open starts in February. Your daughter got diagnosed with leukemia in January. Are you going to do the open? No, I'm not going to do the open. Like, <laughs> like yeah. I've been in the hospital for a month. Like, so I guess for me, even though I was at the top of my game, I have no regrets about it because you make the best decision you can at the time. And uh, I would do it 10 times out of 10. No, that's, that's cool to hear. I, you know, obviously with Matt retiring and, you know, we're into the semis or the quarters or whatever. And I was just thinking about that because Matt probably also retired at the, prime. the, the prime of his game, although he's won for the past five years in a row the betting favorite for winning this year, a hundred percent would have been mad if he was in the game. Right. So, you know, it was just making me think you were on this ride to do, you know, podium, podium team. Could you have, you know, yeah, slugged it, it out? And then it's just like, you know, just like anybody in life, right. What are you giving up to, to get that podium and what type of sacrifice? I mean, that's what Matt talks about, right? Mm, yeah. I mean, every minute of every day, every decision he made was at the goal of winning. And the challenge for me was, back in, even then, you know, when I first got into CrossFit, there was not as much money and whatnot. Most people own gyms and they competed for fun. And then it got bigger and bigger and bigger. But, you know, as our business grew and my family grew, the competition grew and I was lucky enough to kind of stay in the game. But dude, if I wanted to kind of stay at the top of the sport, I also couldn't be at the top with a family and with running a business. Mm. So that for me 
started to weigh on me, right? Especially the family stuff, dude. When you start, oh man, I mean, I cannot tell you how many times I've gotten into a car after like being late with my shirt off, just jumped out of the shower because my wife's in the car honking at me. We got to go, we got to go. And just that time over and over again, it only happens so many times before you, you start, your relationship starts to get a little, eh. <laughs> and bro, you're, you're in that relationship for life, man. You got, you know, you got to, you got to, you got to do, you got to do what's right. One mm. thing a lot of people I feel like don't realize is just the amount of sacrifice it takes to be the best in the world or to try and be the best in the world. Literally everything. Like, you know, people don't see the fact that Matt and, you know, everything you just said, like all that goes into actually trying to get to that level. Mm. Like people just see the highlights, yeah, right? They think it's, you know, it's easy to get there and then it's super exciting. So, I mean, that's puts it into perspective. You know, one question I had for you, MDV, was sure. you mentioned the goal board. Mm. How long have you been doing a goal board? What does that look like? What's a, is this like a December process? You're like... Yeah, um, long time. So, uh, gosh, I don't know when it started. Um, probably 20... 14 or earlier, really putting them down on paper and sometimes toward the end of the year, thinking what I wanted my next year to look and feel like. Do you, do you remember, was there like one book pod? Like, uh, do you remember what like got you going? I'm super curious. No, I don't really know. It might've been something that we did at, at CFNE with Ben to like visualize what we wanted our, our next year to be, whether it was competitively or professionally. Um, but no, I started to answer your question, I don't remember what prompted me, but um, it's funny because they all started out really overcomplicated and like lists of these like really detailed and very like fine things that I wanted to accomplish. And I have I have a couple of them on my phone actually because they were used to be on like whiteboards or like um, uh, paper, like big paper. And um, it's funny because there's a lot of stuff on there I haven't, still haven't accomplished or still haven't even touched or haven't from year to year, haven't been able to scratch the surface on for, for one reason or another. So, um, I was a little bit more simple with my goal setting for this year, um, and how I was looking at what I wanted to accomplish this year, um, and where I wanted to be. But I think for some people it works, you know, some people you can have really, really fine and detailed plans about the things you want to do for me, looking back on those years, it was just probably too much. I could have focused a little bit more. Um, but yeah. Jay, you have a goal board? I don't have a goal board. No. <laughs> I, uh, I'm not, I'm not your typical, you know, MDV likes to write things down. We just, I just like to, you know, it's the whole idea of like what we've been talking about for as a company, right? This idea of effort over everything, just asking yourself, Hey, am I putting in the best effort? Am I really reaching my potential? And if not, let's start creating paths towards getting there, you know? And, and, and being flexible enough too, you know, like having kids has kind of taught me you got to be, you could be rigid and you have goals, but you got to be flexible enough to kind of realize that like, you know, the, the end state is in mind, but how we're going to get there might be navigating, especially as a business. I mean, dude, we had an end state in 2020 of whatever, and then COVID hit and you got to be flexible enough to realize those type of things might happen in life and how you're going to navigate through them. So uh, I'm more kind of like, where do I want to go like many, many years from now? And then how are we going to get there every single day is what I'm thinking about, you know? I think that's a really cool point because while the approaches are so different, you know, the, the, the backbone of that is that like, it's your best effort forward every single time. Mm. Um, which I think is, you know, what we're all about and why we all feel so strongly about this idea of effort over everything. You know, one thing that has, 
you know, served me at times, but has definitely been a detriment at times has been almost being too rigid. So funny story, MDV, I drove him nuts the first year that I was with the company. With Slack? No, no. Well, <laughs> <laughs> that too, and that's another. Monday. That, that's another. Oh, another. Scott. Monday. I haven't even been on Monday. Oh, yet. Okay. don't bring I've that never, up. I've don't never logged on yet. Don't bring that up. But I would, <laughs> I would avoid testing workouts with MVV. Oh my god! Like the plays, and it was literally because at the time I was still in this like super like I, I want to be better at fitness, and my weakness is being strong. So all I should be doing is lifting, and any type of like conditioning is like pulling me away from that goal. So whenever MDV would be like, hey, you want to go test a workout? I'd be like, ah, oh, I just can't. I'm on this program. Like, just, you know, and I would give him like the most like ridiculous excuses yeah. to literally never test workouts with him. And I think we tested one together the whole time. And it was I like a slam ball wall walk workout <laughs> and you died. <laughs> <laughs> Your soul is still somewhere on the floor. Me, me and slam balls don't have a good... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> don't have a good history here at NCFit. Do you remember that story? Uh, no, uh, I don't know about slam balls and wall walks. No, just the slam balls. The first time we filmed. Oh yeah, you didn't together. know how to do them. Yeah. Oh yeah, I remember we were demoing them or something. I was like, bro, what are you doing? Like, yeah, it was my first time ever doing a video, and <laughs> oh it was slam balls, God. which I've never done before before coming to NCFit. And I'm like super nervous. I'm like sweaty. It's mm. my first time filming a video with Jason, and he's like, you know, I'm the demo guy, so he's just saying, oh, slam balls, and I was like, all right. You know, pick up the ball and like you let it drop and apparently you're supposed to slam the ball and slam the ball. <laughs> you just let it drop from the top? Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. I, I don't know no, what happened. No, no, I was no also slam. No, no slam. No just slam. ball. Just ball drop. Ball, ball. I was also like nervous and frazzled. We'll, we'll call uh, him the gay ball drop from now on. But the funniest thing was like uh, God, like Jason's facial expression changed because you try to keep the video going. But your face was just like like confusion with every rep. It was. It was really what is this guy doing? You know, it's funny. So you MDV was on the East Coast, moved to California. Yep. Uh, then moved to Southern California, mm -hmm. Northern California, Southern California. Now in Washington, Gabe, you were East Coast, Northern California. Now Austin, Texas ish mm -hmm. area. And through COVID, everybody's kind of, we've had multiple people from our company move to different areas. Um, and I'm, I'm curious, now that you're back in the Bay Area, when we, how much do you guys miss it? You guys, <laughs> how, I'm, I'm curious, when are you guys going to come back a little bit more often? Because I miss hanging out and catching up like this. Uh, but, do you want to go first? Well, I mean, we were talking about it yeah. before, like the weather here. It like, this is the first thing that I noticed when I got here. It's like, we are so spoiled here. It's literally perfect. Like it seems like the entire year. Yeah. Um, and I've only been here for, you know, two days right now. First thing I did was go to the ocean. It's like the one thing that So what'd I you do when you went to the ocean? Because I'm curious. So yeah, what'd you do? Did you just walk right in? Yeah. So I always go and try and do five minutes in the cold water. That's like my minimum. I like, so I have this rule that I start my watch as when soon as my knees get wet. <laughs> Wait, That's, so why your knees? Why not? It when just a, seems like a good. It, it seems right. like a good spot, so that it's not like oh, I can just put my feet in and I'm already timing it. But I'm also like not going like I need to dive full in. So usually it takes me two minutes to like actually like fully fully get in, and then I have three minutes where I'm like pretty cold. Um, but I did that. Ran around the beach a little bit. It was like the perfect way to start <laughs> the day. Beach a little bit. People definitely. I like what you caveated that. It's five minutes in the water, but. Two minutes is up to your knees. No, no, no. That's usually. But I just, I have this rule to myself that I start my five-minute timer as soon as my when, knees get wet. the knees. Yeah. That's like, I can't start it before then. And then you just walk in, do your thing, and left. Yeah. Yeah. Five Dude. minutes. That's a long time. Three minutes in, in, 
it's probably like 50 degree water right now. I mean, man, I can like talk about this for hours, but the, the cold water thing has been like life changing for me. I, and I, and I mean that in all honesty, like started with cold showers. Now it's like, you know, just finding like actual time to either get into an ice bath or get into the cold ocean. Um, it just, there's a bunch of health benefits associated yeah. to it, but I personally just feel like refreshed and like a Dude, new when you get out of there, like there's nothing like when you get out of there, mm. you just feel like a million bucks getting in and committing oh. to it. <laughs> yeah. It's a whole nother story. It's a whole nother story. story. But I miss the ocean. Mm -hmm. I miss the weather. Um, to going back to answering your question. Um, but you know, in, in Austin, we, we found something, the opportunity for something that we wanted for a really long time. So super happy to be there, but those are the two things that California just, I mean, you can't beat it. Yeah. I, I mean, I would love to live in Northern or Southern <laughs> California, but yeah, I mean, it's, a, <laughs> it's an expensive proposition, man. I think that that's the, we were talking a little bit about this before we started filming is like, it's hard to live here because of just the expense of living in those cities in San Diego, San Francisco, San Jose. I saw a chart of the most expensive cities to live in. This is like six months ago, right? And San Francisco is like up in the top right, like of the most expensive. San, San Diego is like a little bit justified left. It's a little bit less expensive. San Jose wasn't on the fucking chart. It was off of the chart. It was so expensive. I'm not, I'm not kidding. It was like... The X and Y axis, it didn't, it was like San Jose's over here. So it's crazy, man. Like I'm similar position with Gabe. It was like, we found a place in Washington that we would have really never been able to afford in California right now. And we'll see what happens, you know, maybe coming back or moving somewhere else. But, um, yeah, I mean, short flight. So we'll be down here to Dude, hang out. Piece Jay. Of cake. So we have this new, um, you know, initiative effort over everything. And we're really kind of, you know, I'm actually, we're talking about, shifting the business of fitness podcast name to it and so we've had so in the back in the days we had amrap mentality podcast and that was yeah. my podcast focused on talking to athletes about the mindset and this idea of like the mentality for competing and we had some great episodes it was exceptional then we had business of fitness and we're like 150 episodes in business of fitness started first and then business of fitness started AMRAP first. mentality came second and okay, so here's what happened. Business of fitness started. I want to talk about the business of fitness and boom, it's one episode a week for the last years. Then AMRAP mentality came around. It was my, my platform to be able to talk about things outside of the business of fitness, but it became too like overwhelming, right? You have, like I was telling you, you have the business and the family and all these other obligations. I couldn't put the time necessary into AMRAP mentality. And I started building resentment towards it because it was, it was, I wasn't reaching my potential there and it just wasn't, it just wasn't working out. So we stopped that one, just basically stopped creating episodes and we kept business to fitness. But the challenge of business of business of fitness is, is that sometimes I don't just want to talk about only things that are related to the gym and business of fitness. Mm. Like for example, if we wanted to have even this conversation right now, is that technically the business of fitness? And so that's something anyways, this is going on the business of fitness channel, mm. which is why I think it's interesting to have a conversation about, because effort over everything is something that we really lean into here at NC Fit. And we pride ourselves in this idea of just putting in the work. And we could talk about things like the business of fitness. We could talk about things a little bit outside that. Mostly all fitness-ish related, mm. but not so pigeonholed into just the business side of fitness. Inter I mean, interesting you brought up like the work aspect of it. Because um, I had a conversation with Stu from What the Fuck Gym Talk a couple of weeks ago. And his, the podcast with me just aired on his channel. But creating content is, is a job. 
it really is because there's work that goes into it. Although the production of it is fun, like having this conversation is fun, but you know, if you're getting guests on your podcast or you're thinking about the conversation you got to have, you got to do your research. You got to be in contact with the guest. You have to make sure that you're setting everything up for the conversation, right? You have to have the actual conversation. Then there's a post-production type of stuff. So it does start to weigh on you as another thing to do week to week, especially if you want to have a, a weekly show. Yep. And if you want to do it right, right? Like if oh, you actually sure. want to know, you know that, that, I think that was the hardest part, right? Is I, I don't like this idea of like half-assing anything, but it's tough to have like a really well thought out curated guests with the appropriate like promotional material to have them send it out. And then having great questions where you really analyze what type of questions have these people not talked about before and how can I ask them in a different way? Mm. That takes time. Yeah, for sure. Content, content, so much work, so much work. I mean, it even is. just committing to like posting daily on your Instagram channel, something that you've been doing a great job, but I mean, you just made a face like, you know, that's a lot of work. Yeah. It's, hey, so Post-It is coming out with a sponsorship. <laughs> I hope so, man. Well, that 3M money. 3M money. So, hey, speaking of 3M money, how do you go from zero to 100? So Ooh. this is a good conversation to have real quick because you were on social media. And I remember when we first met, not maybe when we first met, but when you first came out to California, like, hey, I want to I build back my social media. This is like years ago, maybe like, I don't know, a couple years ago. And you did it for like, I don't know, a couple of weeks. And then you kind of like just kind of died off. And then you didn't like touch social media mm. for years. And then all of a sudden, <laughs> the, the, the 3M yeah, sponsorship yeah. money came in. Well, no, <laughs> I'm not trying to throw you under the bus here, Jay. But when I was talking, remember when I would talk to you about social media when I first came on, I don't know whether or not I interpreted the message a little bit wrong and how you were delivering it to me. But like you essentially you asked me, why did I want to be on social? Why did I want to bring back a presence on social media? And I was like, man, I don't know why. I didn't have a strong reason why. I just kind of like thought that it was part of what I should be doing. And um, there was some other stuff involved in why I wasn't on social media, but I was off of it for like three years. And then the big reason why I got back on was I looked at my 2020 goals or 2021 goals. And I was like, reflecting on the past three years or four years at NC Fit. And I realized I hadn't done everything that I could for this company. And that's the biggest reason for me getting back on social media. I don't want to have any regrets over the time that I'm spending building this thing and my own effort putting into it. Could I have done more is a question I don't want to ask myself if, if we get to a point where it's not as successful as it could have been. And that's the big reason. I, I wanted to put more into my voice, my message for the company and make sure that I didn't have any regrets because I was firing all, all cylinders from a programming perspective, coaching development perspective, culture perspective, doing, all, doing a lot of things I thought pretty well, but I was doing zero on social media and that was kind of not excusable for me. So that's the, the reason I'm back on. Are you, um, are you having fun with it now to an extent? Because I feel like a big... A big part of you not being super involved before, and I know a lot of people feel this way, is mm. like, you know, social media is this kind of like double-edged sword. It's like, do I have to be on there? Like, it could be a toxic environment sometimes. Yeah. Um, was that part of the reason why you weren't on it before? And are you like enjoying it now? Because it seems like you're really finding your voice and posting content that you enjoy and interacting with people. Mm. If I'm completely honest, 50-50. Okay. I don't, I'm, I mean, I think that, I think everybody probably struggles a little bit with their relationship in social media and, and how much you put your own 
personal self-worth into how many comments you get or how many likes you get or how good you look or, you know, did somebody DM you about something that you put up? And I'm just like everybody else. I think that some of that is hard for me to deal with. Um, but I'm also better at not making that the f as much of a focus, you know, trying to make sure that I'm putting out things that I am passionate about or that I believe strongly about and just seeing how people react to them and that's fine. But there is still like this, oh, did this message, was this the right message or is this the right picture? Is this the right angle? Is this the right lighting? All that kind of stuff comes into play. Um, and I think people's success or failure with social media largely depends on how well do they deal with those things or not deal with those things. So, Yeah, it's a super slippery. It's a 50-50 it's a game, right? Like you could put something out and it gets good engagement. All of a sudden you can see your mood kind of shift a little bit. You can put something out, it doesn't get good engagement. Your mood shifts the other way. You're like, dude, what, what am I doing? Like why? why? And then, oh, uh, you want to put something out because you want to, but then you don't because you don't think your audience is going to like it. But it's like, dude, you should do it because you want to do it. Mm. Like I'll give you a perfect example. It was Saturday night. It was late. I'd spent all this time smoking this big pastrami. And I spent a lot of time with <laughs> Okay. <laughs> so, so I brined this damn brisket pastrami for six days. I flipped it over in a cooler once a day for six days. I smoked it from, I, I, I got up, it was Saturday morning. I, I think I started the barbecue, like, let's just say 5.30, right? And I'm, 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 you know, all about this brisket, right? Dry rub, whatever. And, you know, we have a coaching thing. I'm like running downstairs to see what the temperature is. And so finally I get it out and it looks good. It tastes good. I'm, I'm excited about it. I'm like, I'm going to share this thing on social media, right? Because I put a lot of work in. I wanted to share with people, like, if you haven't tried doing a pastrami and you're interested in smoking meat, you should try this. And I remember telling myself, like, oh, man, you know, I, I never post about food. I never put a post about actual food. I probably shouldn't. And, I'm, and then I just told myself, like, dude, I'm interested in it. I don't give a shit about what anybody else thinks. If I'm interested, I want to share it with someone. If one person gets insightful and they get excited to go try it and they love it, we did our job, right? And I also wanted to highlight that Ava made a cake that was just bananas where you cut into it and, and um, sprinkles, sprinkles yeah. fall out of the middle. I had never seen that before. So anyways, I guess that's the, the double-edged sword of a social media. And, and Gary Vee talks about this all the time. It's like, you know, if you're always putting out content that you want to try and – like you should be putting out content that you're interested in. Because, you know, like if you're just shooting for likes and whatnot, it just, it's tough, man. I think some of it also depends on how much of your personal life you want to share with the rest of the world and whether or not you're using it as a vehicle to deliver a certain message or whether or not this is just kind of a forum for you to talk about life. Um, you know, the very different approaches. I don't talk a whole lot about my personal life on my social media channels very intentionally. I talk about fitness, professionalism in fitness and coaching, and training and tattoos. That's really it. I don't post about anything else. I just don't want to. You know, sometimes in the story, I'll put up a little thing about like um, my dog or like, or Mindy or my fiance or whatever we're doing. But like, I, I, I don't like to open up my social and personal life to everybody. Yeah, it's going to be different from person <laughs> to person. I think where it gets even more complicated, and we have this conversation all the time, is when, you know, your business is kind of, you know, really getting a lot of traction from what it is that you're posting. Um, and again, that doesn't mean that you don't post things that you're passionate about, but that means that there does have to be some sort of strategy approaching it where, 
you know, there's delivering value and, you know, you're going to ask people to, you know, whether it's sign up for something or check something out. Like we have a lot of valuable things that we're trying to put out at NC Fit. And with your channel having as much of an audience as it does, it would be a disservice to not be using it for that purpose. But yeah. I, I, I never envy the position you're in. And I know I give you a hard time about this all the time, <laughs> but I don't envy the position you're in because I know that you do just want to post about Brazilian jiu-jitsu and what's going on with the family and stuff that really fires you up. But there's that balance of like, well, NC Fit needs you to post about A, B, and C. Yeah, and then how much do you... Social media is a very, you know, it's... Well, I mean, today, like you guys are in town for this effort over everything campaign, right? And we're going to go shoot some more content. And I'm really, I'm really looking forward to that because I think it's going to open people's eyes a little bit more into like what NC Fit's about part of our culture, our core values, and this idea of just putting in the work. And so I'm excited to see how this one turns out. And really, really interested to see how the team gets inspired by some of the new apparel we have and, you know, kind of the, the, the path moving forward. Because mm. I think, I don't know, man, we're, we're in a good spot right now. Yeah, I mean, I'm beyond fired up about the direction we're going, like what we're capturing here, and to be here. Like, I, for me, it's been exceptionally challenging to be away from everyone because i personally like i really enjoy like rubbing elbows with the people i'm working with like we've i think we've done a really good job honestly at like you know consistently being on zoom calls and like i've been really close with the team that i work with you know i get on calls with mdb all the time and sometimes we'll end up just like catching up mm. on like w the agenda is you know this thing and we're an hour into an hour call and we didn't even talk about it like talking about we're, we're bourbon or mezcal up. or what <laughs> definitely <laughs> not bourbon and mezcal. that's the con that's the kalipa conversations <laughs> but again like nothing nothing replaces being able to just mm. like be here and like mess around get some work done you know there's so many great ideas that we've had that have come up you know pro dev being one example like pro dev was born of us just being in the same place at the same time, being like, yeah. hey, I think this would be a good idea and super valuable, and it happened. And I do think that as a lot of teams move remote, you know, there's so much amazing brainstorming that happens when you're in person. So I'm glad that we're here, glad we're together. I'm glad we have three days that are kind of action-packed. I'm sure some really good stuff will come out of it, aside from just the content that we're recording. Are we done with the social media conversation? No, I have no, a couple please. more questions on social no, media. No, go oh, I'll it. go back in. I got oh, that back boy. in. So do you guys think, I'm going to ask you guys a question. Do you guys think that oh, business owners, business owners, people who have a legitimate stake in owning the business of a gym, do you think that those individuals have a responsibility to be on social media promoting what they do? I, I can go, I know, I, I don't think so. I hmm. think the, the, the business needs to have a page for sure the consumer has just come to have the expectation. Like, I know I do this all the time. Like if I'm looking for um, a gym, which we were doing in Austin before we moved out to where we are now, or even like more recently, an example, um, a barbershop to go get a haircut. Like I know that now I not only look for a website, but I want to see if they're on Instagram Yeah, and, you know, see what kind of content they're putting out. Like to me, how serious and high quality a business is for some things definitely translates to the type of uh, presence they have on social media. Mm. But do I think the gym owner necessarily needs to have like a personal page where they're broadcasting stuff on the gym? Not necessarily. But you think that the, the business yes. yeah. should have a page. Right? I think so. Right. 100%. Yeah. I think the business, I think at this, you know, it's, it's like kind of like, <laughs> this is going to be far left cryptocurrency and Bitcoin. Right. <laughs> and it's like, 
at first, the internet comes around, it's kind of like this fringe thing, right? Where some companies have a website, some don't. It's kind of like this thing. Then after years and years and years, now every single company, if you don't have a website, that's weird. Like if you want to look up a barbershop or whatever, you would look it up on Google and you would go then identify it and you go look at their website to go find out their schedule or how to make an appointment. Mm. I think that same thing, and the reason why I brought up cryptocurrency and Bitcoin is I think that 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 will be a thing 10 years from now where businesses will need to accept some type of cryptocurrency. Just like, imagine 50 years ago, businesses didn't accept credit cards, right? They would only accept cash or check. Then all of a sudden, credit cards became more common practice and people started using them more often. I think cryptocurrency will become more common practice. But anyways, back to the social media thing, I think that the business needs to have a social channel because that's a platform where consumers are looking for information. So it's another gateway to get people engaged with your content. And then I think they need to have a website for sure. But I don't mm. think the owner has to. I don't think the, the individual has to. What do you think? I'm going to ask you guys another question before we get my thoughts. <laughs> what responsibility do you... Is it about do... Bitcoin? No, no, no. No, no, no Bitcoin. <laughs> Cardano, though. Invest in Cardano. No. Um, what responsibility do coaches have to... Not post things that are hyper controversial or how much responsibility do coaches who work within a business in their own personal social media channels in, in how much responsibility do they have in posting things that don't put them in a weird place in what they do on a day-to-day -day basis in the gym? Because this is something that's really interesting to me because you can have a personal social media account in which you go out there and talk about your views, whatever they're political, social, economic, uh, Religious, whatever, whatever, whatever yeah. views. Yep. But it does impact your perception at the very least to the people who follow you, which are a lot of cases for coaches, members or athletes or people who've come into the gym or your, your peers or your owner. So where, where does this now lie in a profession where you have to walk in and now be in front of people on a day-to-day -day basis? Man, I mean, that is a tough question that I know I don't have the answer for, but I do think that some things that help if you do have a team is to just lay out the expectations as clearly as possible in the beginning mm. for your team of coaches. You know, does that mean that, you know, that is something that is allowed or isn't allowed as part of being a coach of that organization it just needs to be clearly defined. But it's tough, man, because especially nowadays, like, everyone has views on different things that they want to share, right? Like, you know, we're, we're all very vocal about things that we're passionate about. Um, and you're right, like that is going to rub some people the wrong way. And if that's impacting the business that you work for, I would, I would hope that a coach would have the wherewithal to like acknowledge that this might not be the best channel because I know that it is detrimental to this business that I work for that I'm supposed to be helping, right? Um, and, you know, I, I would just hope that there's that awareness there. Um, but I know that, you know, we don't live in a perfect world. And mm. that just might mean, as the business owner, having to have a conversation sooner rather than later. Um, and then I think that, you know, it varies from situation to situation. Like, is someone posting a video talking about something controversial, wearing the gym t-shirt in the gym, or are they doing it, you know, like completely, you know, separate in a way like that kind of changes things too, but it, it's complicated. It's super complicated. Yeah. I mean, I think for me, in my particular case, um, I am a non-controversial person in general, but definitely on social and in channels where people will be engaging with us because 
I believe just like the business has no political, religious, et cetera, perspective because it needs to be neutral to invite all parties to wear. Because I'm an ambassador for the company, I need to be aware of that as well, that that what you say does matter. And I think that as an individual, you seem to be aware of your, like your actions have reactions, your actions have consequences mm. at times, and you need to be okay with that. Like mm. if you're going to go out there and be super pro whatever, that's your right and you do you. But you, but also if the company has a specific social media policy and you're not abiding by it, or if you're creating friction or challenges for the business, then you need to be aware of what repercussions may occur for your action. Mm. Not saying you shouldn't do it. You seem to be aware of it. You yeah. Know? Yeah. No, it's just a really interesting topic and conversation for me because obviously there's a lot of things right now that are going on politically and socially that, you know, people have very divergent opinions on. And, you know, there's stances that people will take, whether you're on the right or the left, that other people will look at as being outlandish, completely outlandish, like so crazy that you couldn't ever identify with what they're saying. Um, that's neither here nor there. But I agree that I think that people need to be aware that, hey, if you're going to post this stuff, that there are potentially consequences that it can impact your professional life, your personal life, your social life, all that kind of stuff. Oh, 100%, if you're standing at the front of the room and you're talking to a class, none of that stuff, in my opinion, has a place in a neutral, positive, safe environment. Yeah. No matter how safe or correct you think your opinion is, I would say don't do that. Well, people are coming into your class for a great fitness experience. They're not coming in for discussions on something else. Yeah. Right? It'd, be, it'd be different if you were a preacher at a church. Your job, you know, that, that is your, that's your audience. That's your, you're speaking with that intention or, or whatever. If you had a political rally, like, but if you're coming into a fitness experience, we want to provide people, like Patrick Hummel was talking about for our coaches, like, we want to provide people an exceptional experience and, and exceed expectations yeah. is the goal. And the expectation coming in is to get in a great workout, learn something new, have fun. I, I agree with you. But I sometimes think that coaches within our space, and at least the people that I have observed over the years, sometimes there is this, I don't know if they look at it as like a privilege or like a, a forum where it's like their mic, their moment to say whatever they want at the beginning of class, whether or not that that's like the comedy hour that they want to have, or, you know, they want to talk about something that's going on in the world or cultural events or social events, whatever. Or like sometimes I, where I see this go wrong is you start talking about like, like a tragedy. We talked about this on a podcast, yeah, yeah, right? You start it, talking yeah. about a tragedy that happened or you go down this rabbit hole and all of a sudden it becomes like really dark and weird and that nobody is there for that kind of stuff. No, we're there to have a great time, man. Like, like, like Patrick was talking about, we're there for a great experience. And that's what we're trying to provide here at NC Fit. That's what we're trying to provide through the NC Fit Collective. Mm. And that's what we're going to be providing through our new, uh, you know, NC Fit app. It's a great time. <laughs> <laughs> I like how you weave that you in like, there. You nice. like the way I weave that in yeah. right there at the end? Um, well, dudes, we got a lot of work to do. We got a bunch of stuff we need to get done. Um, One thing that I did want to bring yeah. up. Oh. Just and then I got a rapid fire question for Gabe on uh, animals. <laughs> oh, that'll be fun. But real quick, if, if people haven't listened to you yet, I actually, so being honest here, when I saw that you were putting out a business fitness episode on, with cryptocurrency in the title, I was like, oh my God, what is happening? <laughs> I have to listen to this and like, like, let me see what's happening. But I thought you actually had a great, great take on it. 
on just it being important to be open-minded. So if people haven't checked that out, you know, I highly encourage that they do. I think you actually did a really good job. I was incredibly nervous. <laughs> what it. were you nervous about, bro? Are you ever nervous with me? I, I just Am I to, ever nervous with I, you? I recorded that. For, for the record, that, crypto, uh, that cryptocurrency innovation and cryptocurrency conference, I, I think I recorded it at length. Um, it was like seven minutes, so it's not that big of a deal. But uh, I think I recorded it four times. And it's because each time I got a little bit like, ah, oh, you know what? I'm not hitting the points I'm looking for. So I wrote it all down. And speaking about time that you wanted to put in, right? But I want to make sure that it hit the mark where we have a duty and responsibility as, as leaders, as owners, as coaches, as whatever, to at least be educated on these things. Mm. Speaking of educated, what's the weirdest thing that you have experienced now being on a farm for the last month, two months, whatever it is, what is one thing about an animal that you did not know? Oh, God. Give me one really weird thing. So you talked about the wasps, like whatever, but like give me something about an animal that like people would not know about. Oh, man. Well, I mean, man, so I, it, it's just, it's like so many things, but I think one thing that honestly has been super surprising that I didn't think that, you know, I would go through this is, is Animals are so smart, man. And it's actually been fascinating. And it's been really cool to experience Even how, pigs like, and sheep? Yeah, man. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they're, they're, they figure everything out. And it's been really fascinating because I, I went into it without that expectation at all. I thought, you know, we were just going to, you know, have our animals on the farm. And you kind of like, but they're, they're smart, man. And it's been cool. And also, like, milking a cow is an experience that, like, I never would have expected was how it was, but it's super cool. Can you demonstrate for us? Like, <laughs> we'll definitely not demonstrate milk in a cow. <laughs> oh man! All right, let's get to uh, let's get to filming, huh? All right, let's do it. Yeah. Milk. Oh.